Come on. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show. She is strong. She is powerful. She is Selena Knight. She is a retail strategist, retail consultant, and a keynote speaker. Welcome, Selena, to Lifeblood Brand. Hey, George. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to get in and get talking because I only have a short period of time. Yes. Let's jump straight in. (laughs) Let's do it. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Oh, okay. Personal life. Uh, It's like speed dating. I was originally, well, I started, sort of the big story is I had to leave home when I was 14. So for me, that was a huge, like a huge pivot in my, like one of those pivot points in your life where I realized that I had to be responsible for everything, which was great. It taught me lots of awesome things. It taught me how to be tenacious. It taught me how to go after the things that I want, but it also did the flip side. It really kind of embedded in my life that you had to hustle to get what you want. And I worked really, really hard um, to the point of burnout multiple times. So now that I'm in my 40s, I've kind of thrown that philosophy out the window. And I, I have realized that you can successfully grow a business. You can have a great life. You can earn lots of money and help lots of people without running yourself into the ground. Who would have thunk it? Um, okay, so fast forward through there. I originally was an arborist in my first life. Nice. Arborist and truck driver. I love the outdoors. I love sustainability. And what I realized was that I was actually really good at hacking business growth. I didn't know it at the time, I just could see easier ways and quicker ways to get things done. But I worked for the government and quick and the government are not words (laughs) that go together. So I was constantly annoying people because, you know, we have a system, we have a way. It's like, but your way sucks. Your way is crap. Your way takes five times longer. So funnily enough, I kind of grew out of working for the government and I went into uh, private, well, I went in from local government to state government. And it gets even worse at state government. Like when you're told that you're working too fast and you're making your boss look bad, Mm. you know that this is not the place for you. (laughs) So I went out into, um, stayed still in Abora culture, went out into the private field and was managing contracts. And this is kind of where I realized that I was good at making things quicker, faster, easier. Like why would you spend, why would you do something 50 times when you could just do it once and then automate it? And so looking back, I clearly was a growth hacker all the way along. I just didn't know that it was a thing. Fast forward to being pregnant with my first daughter, loving, eco-sustainable. This was in 2007. So just as the GFC was about to hit, I decided to chuck in my really wonderful job and start a business. Nice. (laughs) Started an e-commerce business, which back in 2007, I know it feels like we've had e-commerce and text messaging on our phone. In 2007, we did not have text messaging on our phone. Hmm. Just to put it in the frame of reference for everybody listening. Yeah. I remember going into hospital to have my daughter and having to buy a prepaid dongle to send the photos to my relatives overseas on my laptop. So it feels like we've had it forever, but we haven't. (laughs) Hmm. So I started an e-commerce business. I'm 
I was bringing, I was importing fabrics for reusable nappies and importing reusable nappies and kind of got to the point where I was making enough sales to justify leaving my day job. I was making as much money, left the day job, started up a store, opened my first store. Uh, On my daughter's first birthday, we were painting the store and it was also, so it was 2008, kind of getting towards like 2008, 2009 was the height of the GFC here in Australia silliest time in the world to open a business but what it did teach me because I didn't know any better I had a degree in business but I didn't know any better was I threw everything at the wall that I could to see what stuck which is great but on the downside I didn't often give things enough time to get traction Hmm. and so I didn't know that at the time but looking back it probably was one of the keys to the reason I didn't grow fast enough was I was just trying and trying. And it was this whole hustle mentality, you know, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. Now that I'm a little bit older, I'm a lot wiser. What I've realized is if you actually break your year up into 90-day chunks, and this is not me, this is a science thing, but if you break your year up into 90-day chunks, especially if you are one of these overachievers, you know, type A personality, go, 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 what you actually find is it's short enough period of time for you to, to focus because we're not very good at focusing. Uh, but it's also short enough time to get actual results because we kind of live off the high of getting results. So when you do that, you get so much further. But the thing is you have to have a focus. And so it's taken me a really long time to work out that how that works. And you can put this, like I work with retail and e-commerce brands, you can implement this in any business, right? But basically, there are five core areas. I call them the five pillars of retail success. You can call them the five core pillars of retail business of, of business success. But we have money. And money is understanding how money flows into, around, and out of your business. Right? That's, that's kind of the foundation. We always start with money. Then you've got sales, the making of the money. Then you've got customers. And there are actually six, you know, you know all about customer journey, I'm sure. There are six points in the customer journey. And then we have marketing, which is just about telling the world that you exist and getting people to want to buy your stuff. And then we have impact. And I call impact the forgotten pillar because so many brands focus on the other four that they forget about building a brand, not just a store or a brand, not just a business. And so the key thing is if you pick one of those pillars and focus on it for 90 days, I have literally worked with a business that went from $120,000 in annual turnover to on track to do a million. Nice. So it's a matter of, okay, so focus is incredibly important and chunking into 90-day increments. So, but how, how do I know which one to start with? Ah, right. Okay. Well, I have a really fun quiz that you can take. Uh, it's, it is com- even though it is super fun, there's even a question about what kind of cheese you would serve at a party, it is all data-driven. It took us six weeks to work the cheese question out. So, you know, go and do it. It takes you two minutes. Like the time it takes to make a cup of coffee, I will tell you which one you need to work on. Okay. And I'll even give you a blueprint on what you can do right now to start to get results, like to start to focus. You can grab that over at selenanight.com forward slash quiz. I will send that link over to you so people can do it. It's totally free. Yeah, you've got to put your email address in. But in the out, in the end, you end up with, you know what? If I took nothing away from this conversation, it's 
there's probably one area of my business that I am totally avoiding and we avoid it because it makes us uncomfortable. Like for some people, it's their book work. For some people, it's sales. Like lots of people don't like to sell. Sure. Guys, if you're in business, you got to sell. <laughs> like, you know, some people avoid sales. Some people avoid retaining their customers. Some people avoid going out and trying to find new customers. Some people just avoid marketing. They just think posting on social media is marketing. It's like, it's not marketing. Marketing is all the channels. Marketing is having a message. Marketing is getting it out there, but actually wanting, you know, telling people the world that you exist, but also getting people to want to buy your stuff. Mm -hmm. Because if people don't want to buy your stuff, then you don't have a business. And then, of course, you've got impact. Nine times out of 10, people avoid that pillar because they don't want to be braggy. They don't feel like they can be the face of the brand. Like there's so many reasons why. But you should be spending two at least two, if not three quarters of the year on sales and marketing, because that's what we do in business. If you're not selling and you're not marketing, then you're not growing your business. Yeah, I think that that's certainly 100% true. Um, okay, great. This is all excellent stuff. And I know how easy it is to, to work yourself into oblivion and to burn out. And I know that you had that experience. And and probably if you don't, if, if, if you're not mindful of taking breaks and taking time off after that 90, 90 day period of time, you probably never will actually schedule breaks. So is, is, is that a lot is, is that some of the thinking behind the 90 day chunk is that at the end of that, you're going to take time off? Not necessarily take time off, but I, I do think you have to work in the 90 day chunks. Like you have to have the plan, but you don't have to do all the things like no one listening should be doing all the things. Like that's what you have people for. That's what you have systems for. That's what you have freelancers for. But what's really important, if I can just give you an example of that business that we skate, like we pretty much 10 x Yeah. They, their key focus was on sales. But what you have to realize is, and this is why understanding all five pillars is really important, while the focus was on sales, you draw from all the pillars. Like if you want to sell more stuff, you're going to have to do some marketing. So it, for example, they wanted to sell more stuff, so they did a lot of email marketing. But all those emails that went out were focused on sales. They weren't focused on building a customer database. They weren't, weren't focused on refer a friend. They weren't, what they were focused on was making money. And it's funny because we put some goals in place. We're like, okay, looking at the business, every time you send an email, you make about seven or $800. So they had an email list of about 5,000 people. You make around seven or $800. Let's say you're going to send four emails a month and aim for $1,000. And your stretch goal, always put a stretch goal in place, is eight emails at $1,000. So that means you're going to make 12 extra $1,000 in that quarter if you just do the minimum, and you're going to make 24000 extra in a quarter if you stretch. But here's the thing. When you have that focus and you send out an email and you don't hit $1,000, what do you do? You go, oh, do I need to resend to unopens? Do I need to resend with a different subject line? Do I need to look, oh, look, we had lots of people open the email, but no one clicked. Do I need to change the color of the button? So you will actually spend the time to refine the process. And even though it's email marketing, what we're really focusing on is sales. So that pillar, even though it's going to come in into different sections of your business, it has to be that North Star for you. 
So everything that you do needs to focus around sales. Because when you do that, this is what happens. 10x growth. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And if you're not focused on sales, then that whole money piece, that number one pillar is probably not going to happen. Well, new customer thing. Well, the thing about money is you can make more money without making more sales. Hmm. So I had a client that did 30% more money with no extra sales. And that is because the money pillar isn't about the making of the money, that's sales. The money pillar is about understanding money. So this was a product-based business. So what we did was we went through and we looked at her shipping costs, like her shipping to customers. We worked out that if she put it into 3PL, it would halve her costs because no one had ever sat down and said, how long does it take and how much does it cost to pack an order? Hmm. So she did, this, she did the process and she said, you know, it takes six minutes to pack an order plus the box, plus the tissue paper, plus the free sample, plus the um, packing peanuts and all $5.60, I think it worked out to be. Now, at a 3PL, $3.40. Now, this doesn't include the cost of shipping. This is just to get the thing into the box, right. get it ready for shipping. So halving shipping costs by getting somebody else to do it. But what that also did was freed up a whole extra staff member. Like, that is huge. We did bigger runs of printing. We printed offshore. We changed the size of, of the packaging so that it would fit into a standard size box, not a custom size box. So all of these things, and in four weeks, 30% increase in profit. No extra sales, just understanding how money flows through your business. Yeah, well, that's obviously a powerful thing is to be mindful and, to your point, worried about money coming in, but then also is way too much money leaving out the back door when we could be retaining a great big chunk of it, like in the example you just gave. So, honestly, Do you know one of the key – sorry, just jump in. Do you please. know one of the key things that people could do right now is get out your bank statement and see how many subscriptions you have mm -hmm. that you completely forgotten that you even own. And for most people, it's hundreds of dollars every single year. And then they're like, oh, I didn't even know I had that. We could have been using that all this time. Yeah. So – that is a very worthwhile exercise. There's, there's, there's no <laughs> doubt about that, and and I can, I can attest to that one, one hundred percent. So, so you, 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 when, when we got started, you shared about how you would go from idea to idea and almost sounds like fail a little bit too fast, just on purpose. Um, yeah. And and not give it quite enough time. How do you know if? I've already invested too much, and this just isn't working. And maybe it is time for me to pivot. So it depends what we're talking about. Like some things, some people are really unrealistic about time. And I'll just, this is not the exact answer and we'll get to your answer. But sure. one, of the, one of the things that I get my clients to do is when they, so we have in the 90-day plan, you have your focus, you have, um, so you have a goal, you have your focus, you have the specific action. So you actually map out, if you're doing your email marketing, what needs to be done. You've got to create the content, create the gifts, A-B test the subject line, recenter to unopens. And then we allocate a time to each one. And all of a sudden you realize the reason either you or your team aren't getting stuff done is because you've got 16 hours worth of work in an eight-hour day. But in your head, all those things should be able to get done. And that's probably if you're the business owner because you're happy to work a little bit while you're watching TV. You're happy to do things on your phone while you're standing in the grocery line your team not. And so actually mapping out, and I swear, I do this at home. We do a lot of renovations. It's kind of a side hobby. And I will map out how long everything takes. Because if I have a half an hour, 
I don't need to start a two-hour painting job. I need to do a, a 15 or 20-minute thing or a 30-minute thing because we need to have those. We need to have that completion. Otherwise, you end up with this giant to-do list with things that just keep getting added on and on and on. So back to your question. I think you have to be realistic about how long something's going to take. So many people say email marketing doesn't work, but what they send out an email once a month. Like they're not doing all those things that we just talked about. Or they say social media doesn't work. And that's because they don't know what they want, what their customers want to see. They're just posting random things. They say, no one wants my stuff. I can't get any more customers. It's like, well, what have you actually done to get the customers? Oh, you held a one-off event, but you didn't tell anyone. You know, but I posted it on social media. That's not enough for an event. So I think being really realistic and a lot of type A people, we just, especially, you know, overachievers, visionaries, whatever you want to call us, we're already thinking about the next thing. So if you don't have a really good team or really good resources to do the implementation, it is really easy to think stuff doesn't work. So if you actually sit down and map out what needs to be done, like we have a, a checklist if you're going to run a promotion, it's two pages long. Right? The things you, if you really want to maximize and leverage a promotion or a launch or whatever you want to call it, then there are lots of steps, but people just do the first couple. I posted it on social media. I sent out an email and I put it in the shop window. All done. But that, that's it. Yeah, no. <laughs> there are another 97 steps you have to take if you really want to get results. And so, as I said, to answer your question, one, have a realistic view of how long something should take. But two, maybe you're right. Maybe sometimes it's not the right thing. But why is it not the right thing? We're really quick to blame everybody else other than ourselves. But if you own the business, if you're the founder, if you're the CEO, it is your job to know what do your customers want. It's your job to know what products they want. What do they want to see? What do they want to hear? How do they want to hear that information or see that information? So the, the reason it's not working, I hate to say it, is probably because of you. But you can fix it so easily by actually just spending a little bit of time and doing like a little internal debrief going, why did this not work? And maybe you just gave the wrong offer to the wrong people at the wrong time. It's a good offer, but maybe in retail, you know, you have that, those six different areas. Maybe you tried to give someone who's brand new to your brand an offer that doesn't work for them when you really should have been giving it to the person who's been shopping with you for five years. Yeah. I love it. I think that that's so valuable to to have enough awareness to be able to to go back through each step of of the process you just talked about and really recognize and be honest with yourself that maybe there were some mistakes and, and inefficiencies and maybe I screwed up here and there. But then also yeah, or maybe to, I just didn't put the resources yeah. in place. And to go back even further, to really understand how long different actions take that are an integral part of your business, uh, I bet that very few people actually understand that, all the different aspects of it. So so valuable. I, I sound like I'm really, really organized. The reason <laughs> I have all of this is because I'm not. Like I live my life by a Google Calendar and things like these spreadsheets because otherwise I am off on the next thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, shiny things. Oh, shiny things. Oh, <laughs> let's start a new thing. Let's start a new thing. So if I don't do this, the, the, the reason I have had to adapt is because once upon a time I made one of my team members cry. Mm. And that is a horrible feeling. And she didn't cry because I was mean. She didn't cry because I was nasty. She cried because she didn't have the capacity to do the things that I wanted to do because I had already overloaded her. 
She 100% was on board with what I wanted to do. She just literally did not have enough hours in the day to do the things I asked her. So she thought she was failing me. And I have to say that is a huge wake up call when you realize you're kind of acting like a douchebag, but <laughs> they don't see it that way. But when you realize that they are, you, when you have a great team and they're so on board with your vision that they get upset that they don't have enough time in the day, then you know as the leader that you have to get your crap together. Like you can't be a hot mess and be a leader. You have to know where you're going. You have to lead with confidence and you have to lead with control. And so that was like one of those, you know, pivotal moments where I was like, I'm never going to make somebody cry again. Like I need to get all my ducks in a row. I can't say I'm always awesome at it, but between Google Calendar, Asana and my little spreadsheet, I'm usually pretty much on board. <laughs> I don't doubt that for a second. And never say never, though, Selena. I think, I think. never. <laughs> <laughs> Selena, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Stop playing small. I have worked with businesses doing four, five, six, seven million dollars a year, and they still think small. If you are calling yourself a small business right now, it is time to throw that out the window because nine times out of ten, the word small business is prefaced with the word just. So I'm just a small business. And that is just a cop out. That's just an excuse that you will use to blame everybody else. So the word small business is banned in our organization. You're an independent business. You're a brand. You can be whatever you want. You just can't be a small business because that whole mindset will never allow you to grow. Because in your head, even if it's just subconsciously, the word small business in and of itself is going to keep you trapped. And you can get to five, six, seven million dollars, but that seven million dollar brand should be a twenty million dollar brand. But they won't ever be because the owners of that business are playing small. Well, so stop playing small. Stop playing small. I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets. Come on, come on. And that's certainly something that I think everybody's been guilty of at some point. I know that I can certainly say that personally. So stop playing small, everybody. Selena, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Well, come and do the quiz, selenanight.com forward slash quiz. And I'm Selena with an A, so S-A-L-E-N-A, Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T.com. You can come out and hang with me on social media. Have to admit, don't really post an awful lot. I'm the Selena Knight. But if you want to hear what I have to say, Come and join me over on the Bringing Business to Retail podcast if that's your thing, if that's your jam, if that's your niche. I share lots of helpful tips. I have some amazing people on the podcast, and we are all about scaling your retail or e-commerce business. So Bringing Business to Retail podcast or Do the Quiz would be my top two. Perfect. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Selena your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to Selena Knight, S-A-L-E-N-A-K-N-I-G-H-T. Dot com slash quiz. Take advantage of that resource and then check out the Bringing Business to Retail podcast. Thanks again, Selena. No problems. Thank you so much, George. Have a great day. You as well. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together. <laughs>